Welcome back to Inside Personal Growth. This is Greg Voison, the host of Inside Personal Growth. And I want to thank my listeners who are joined from around the world and have continued to listen to my podcast over the last uh, eight and a half years that I've been doing this. And um, today, joining me from upstate New York is Robert Moss. And Robert is the author of a new book. Um, that's a New World Library book called Sidewalk Oracles, Playing with Signs, Symbols, and Synchronicity in Everyday Life. He's also the author of Dreaming the Soul Back Home. Good day to you, Robert. How are you doing? Hey, Greg. Always good to be dreaming with you. Well, it's good to be dreaming, period. I think the key is remembering our dreams. I was telling my wife last night that I had some dreams that I remembered, and you're the gentleman that my listeners need to hear more about and especially this book, because it's, it's chock full of great ways for people to understand about uh, the active dreaming life. And I'm going to let my listeners know just a tad bit about you, Robert. Robert describes himself as a dream teacher on the path for which there has been no career track in our culture. He is the creator of active dreaming, an original synthesis of dream work and shamanism, born in Australia. He survived three near-death experiences in childhood. He leads popular seminars all over the world, including a three-year training for teachers of active dreaming. A former lecturer in ancient history at the Australian National University is a best-selling novelist, journalist, and independent scholar, and he's published 12 books on dreaming, shamanism, and imagination. Well, it's, again, a pleasure to have you on the show, and I just want to get right to it. You know, you state that bringing gifts from another world into this world is real magic. When we dream, what advice do you have for our listeners about, one, remembering their dreams, and two, trying to interpret them? Okay, big question and a good one, Greg. I mean, many of us in this culture are going through a protracted dream drought. We know about that. So so tapping into your dreams is the first issue, isn't it? And I say a couple of things that are helpful. I mean, first of all, make this a fun assignment. Don't make it a chore and don't beat yourself up if it doesn't work the first time you do it. Give yourself a fun intention any night you like, preferably a night when you don't have to get up at a certain time, rousted from bed by the alarm clock. Give yourself a juicy intention. I'd like, like to have some fun tonight and remember or give yourself you know a research assignment i'd like guidance on such and such and i'd like to remember whenever you wake up jot down whatever is in your mind and in your gut and in your feelings you don't have a dream okay write something down anyway when you say that you're putting out a welcome mat to your dream producers you're saying i'm here i'm ready to listen next be kind to your fragments lots of people say oh i don't remember any dreams but actually they've got something maybe a snatch of music bit of a soundtrack sense of color something be kind to fragments even a tiny any wisp of something from the night can be what helps you to pull out more of what was going on. It might come to you under the shower or during a walk. And the third thing I want to say for now is the theme of the new book. You know, you don't have to go to sleep in order to dream. In a sense, the world will give you dreamlike symbols if you pay attention. Pop-ups, you know, the novelty plate, the vanity plate on that car right in front of you. What is that saying to you today? That snatch of conversation on the street. The, the way the birds are behaving this morning. So part of this is also about opening our eyes to the fact that the world is full of signs and symbols and will give us a bit of a dreamlike story if we pay attention. 
attention, and that can be very exciting, very empowering. And when you pay attention to those dreamlike symbols in the world around you, funnily enough, what can happen is uh, your dream source can start flowing again. I can tell you a story about that if you'd like to have it. Well, I have a question for you. For years now, I mean, this has been going on literally three years in my own life. Um, and I've talked to others about this, and I've done research on it as well, but I'd love your perspective. My watch says 111. My computer says 111. My car says 111. Everything's saying 111. Give us your perspective on that, because to me, that's a symbol. I get it like every day. I get it every other day. Um, what's that all about? I'd say it's saying pay attention. Uh, it's not necessarily saying anything specific, although many people have deep feelings about, you know, the 111 or the 1111 or any variation on that. I was once at a checkout in a supermarket and my bill was 1111. And the Chinese guy at the checkout was literally jumping up and down with excitement saying, lucky day, lucky day, you're going to have a very lucky day. I was very willing to take that as feedback on the numbers. And I had a nice day. I'm not sure that that is my personal association with that combination of numbers, but I would say this. When you see repeating numbers, just accept as a message, pay attention. Maybe something is going on that goes beyond your normal assumptions. Pay attention. Yeah. Uh, and it's like that with other recurring things in life. You see a pink flamingo on someone's lawn. You see it on the side of a truck. It comes up in a conversation. Pay attention. The pink flamingo in itself may not be very important, although it could be if you've got one on your own lawn. But, uh, you know, pay attention. Uh -huh. So you say that when we pay attention, we find that we're given signs by the world around us every day. What are some of the signs that are common and what meaning might they have for some of my listeners? Well, we've covered one of them already, which is the recurring or repeating number or symbol. Something comes uh -huh. up again and again. It, it may have specific content of meaning for you, or it might simply be that advisory, pay attention. You know, you develop your own feelings about the symbols that are coming at you in life, just as you can develop your own feelings about the symbols that come in you in dreams. The snake that comes up in your dream is not necessarily the snake in my dream. The snake on my path is not necessarily the same as the snake that you encounter in your walk in the woods. So uh -huh. what you need to do to get this right, Greg, is you need to trust your feelings about it. Trust your feelings on it. When you, when you run into a sign or symbol that seems significant to you, always ask yourself, what am I feeling about this? Don't, don't go to some hand-me-down explanation. Don't think the black cat crossing your path is bad luck because great-grandma said so. Check what follows in the day and how it works out for you. One of the things that I teach people to do in this new book is to develop personal omens. I mean, we're not talking about hand-me-down superstitions here. We're talking about figuring out what is a good sign for you on a certain day. And this can be often quite personal. For me, for example, because of my life, because I lived with a wonderful, lovable, big black dog uh, at one point in my life, a friendly black dog, particularly in, in an unusual situation, is a very good sign for me. I know that day is going to go well, and I recommend that people develop their own sense of what is working as a sign for the day for them. Huh. It's, it, it is truly all of these signs are around us, and the key to anything is mindfulness and paying attention. And you, you state in a book that the Greeks valued something called Keldon, K-E-L-D-O-N, um, what is it and why is it, was it so highly valued by the Greeks? I mean, obviously your book's full of all kinds of history while at the same time articulating um, uh, everything about these signs and symbols. But this was one that came up for me in the book that I thought was interesting. 
It is interesting, isn't it? Great questions, by the way, Greg. Thank you. Cladon, we don't know how the, uh, the ancient Greeks talked, actually. They certainly didn't talk like, you know, the guy in the Greek restaurant today, but I think Cladon would probably be the way to say it. The Cladon was a very important oracle for the Greeks. The word oracle itself means something that speaks to you. A Cladon is something that is speaking to you in the way of a sound, a snatch of conversation, some words coming at you either out of complete silence or out of the sort of noise and hubbub, the undifferentiated white noise of a city street. It's a phrase, a bit of music, a sound, a dog barking or something coming at you in that way. It grabs your attention, comes out of nowhere, it seems. It comes out of silence or out of uh, white noise. And so one of my games, one of the games I play on any day when I'm out and about is I listen for the first snatch of conversation or the first burst of music from someone's player that is going to come at me on the streets of life, and I consider whether there might be a message in it. Uh, I can tell you a quick story about that if you like. Sure, sure. This also shows how practical this stuff is. I mean, this isn't you know hole in the wall mysticism. This is if it's mysticism, it's practical stuff. You know, but, but while, my... while you tell this story, I'm, I'm sorry for interrupting, but I, I sense in your voice and the way that you actually articulate that you're somebody of. Uh, you're inquiring all the time. You're always seeking, you're looking, you're finding. This has been your nature. This is my intuitive self speaking. And many of my listeners don't have that. When you tell this story, will you please tell us also how you've created this essence within you or what what is it that you think they might need to find so that they look for this music or look for that sign or find out where it is, because I think that's what they're more concerned about. Absolutely. Well, I think this is available to all of us. I mean, this is everyday stuff. It's simple stuff. And being being receptive to it starts with your degree of openness. I mean, if you're open to the idea that the world might be speaking to you, you can get a useful message. You can get a little bit of magic for the day. Then you'll notice more and you're on your road. So in the story is already a practice, a game that anybody can play any day. I mean, this is not strange esoteric stuff. This is something anybody can do anytime if they have just a little bit of openness. So I have a theme on my mind that day. My theme is how can I possibly balance or juggle two different projects I've agreed to get involved with, which might be competitive and there are other complications. So that theme's on my mind, and I'm walking my funny little dog up the street, and a big guy I don't know gets out of a big truck with a big box in his hand, and he looks at me and looks at my 20-pound miniature schnauzer, and he says in this booming voice, Well, he can't kill both of us at once, can he? This is a claydon. These are the first words uh-huh. of the day. The yeah. stranger's making a joke about my little dog. And for once, I'm speechless, Greg. I mean, I have no immediate response. I sort of stagger on up the street thinking, I just got a message. What is it? What's the message about? And I remember what was on my mind. What was in my mind was, can I handle these two projects at once? The message is, no, you can't do the two things at once. The dog can't attack two people at once. You can't take on two projects at once. So I've got guidance on my decision to drop one project, but the story actually gets better. In the story itself is a way I am able to impart my decision to a guy who's going to be very upset and disappointed that can make him feel better. I have to call a guy now and say, I can't do this project we've agreed to do. Sorry. And he's upset. And then I say, you know, my point of decision was when this guy said, 
he can't kill both of us at once, to me and my little dog. The guy on the end of the phone who was getting angry and upset suddenly collapses, collapses into laughter. He says, oh, I get it. I get it. I can understand a message like that. I can understand the synchronicity stuff. Don't worry about it. So, you know, that's a game you can play. You've got something on your mind. Go for a walk. See what the world gives you. Maybe the world gives you an answer in the first unusual, unexpected thing that happens. Maybe that will be the claydon, that snatch of conversation, that surprising, unexpected stranger saying something to you. Maybe it'll come in another way. Well, it, it certainly is a great way for you to take these synchronicities and blend them in and look for the meaning in them. And you state that meaningful coincidences has to do with the intersection of timeless forces with the world of time, with the understory beneath and behind the surface event of our lives uh, erupting into a field of perception. Now, that's a big statement. It's a lot to dissect. How does one ready their awareness for having this synchronistic experience occur? Well, again, it starts with being open. It starts with not putting the blinkers on. It starts with not going around in headphone land or the mental equivalent of headphone land and sticking to an absolutely preconceived uh, conception of things. It doesn't mean you have to be open to absolutely everything and vulnerable and so on. It means that you're willing to play the game. I mean, this is a book mm -hmm. of games and stories, yeah. Greg. You know that. It's not a book of theory. It makes some pretty bold statements about the nature of reality, but at every turning, it gives people another game to play. If you uh -huh. play the games and you're open to what the world gives you, you'll be begin to discover these things for yourself. Now, by the way, that statement flows from a very old notion that coincidence is God's way of remaining anonymous. You might have heard that phrase. People used to talk like that. Coincidence is God's way of remaining anonymous or the God's way of remaining anonymous. Most people throughout most of history have understood that beyond ordinary reality, there are other forces, call them God, nature, spirits, angels, or whatever. They are at play with human, humans in various ways. And one of the nicest way to play, way to play with these powers of the deeper universe is to notice that they sometimes speak to us and interact with us through what is called synchronicity. People may not understand the concept, but they know it in their gut. They know it in their feelings. Synchronicity is the moment in life when the universe seems to get personal. You feel you're getting a secret handshake. You're getting a wink from the universe. You feel something is mussing your hair and playing with you or pulling the rug from under you. And when you have that moment, then you understand in your feelings what it means to, to suspect that there are forces beyond the ordinary, forces beyond the veil of our ordinary understanding and this is one of the ways that they come to play with us in our lives it's uh, it is amazing and the book is so full of opportunities the 17 games that people can play and things that you've actually given them opportunities to actually create this awareness now you delineate between dreaming and dream time what's the difference well, this is borrowing from the from the concepts of the of the Aborigines from my native Australia. I mean, they distinguish between your personal dreams, which they consider to be interesting and important, and maybe good stories, and maybe glimpses of things happening at a distance in the future, and so on. And the dream time. The dream time is more than the personal subconscious. It might be similar to Jung's collective unconscious. The dream time in this conception is where it's at. It's a place where you go to meet the wise ancestors. It's a place where you go to understand the origin and purpose of what is going on in this world. It is a real world beyond the world that might be more real, not less real than the physical 
physical one. Your personal dreams can take you there. They can be your doorway to that larger reality. But your personal dreams in themselves are not that larger reality, but they can be your portals. So I play with these words suggesting to people that, hey, if you're willing to catch your personal dream images and play with them and work with them a bit, you might find that you have personal gateways to something really interesting, to places of healing and initiation and learning and higher education, so to speak, in a real world beyond this one. This is the kind of real world where shamans, poets, mystics have always wanted to go, and it is not closed to anybody in regular life who is simply willing to catch their dreams and play with them more deeply. Just mm. it is an interesting topic, and it's definitely something that this book does a great job of helping people understand better. Now, you state that I hope I'm pronouncing this right. Kateros is a jump time, an opportunity time, the special moment that you you seize or you miss. What advice do you have for our listeners to learn how to seize these moments and become? Is it a caromancer? Chiromancer? Yeah, I, I like playing with words. Yeah, and I tend to say chiromancer, but chiromancer is equally acceptable, Greg. There is no okay. absolutely required pronunciation. Kairos or Kairos in ancient Greece is a god of time, but he is the antithesis of Kronos, the old god of linear TikTok time, that kind of time. Kairos is the god of opportunity time, special moments, jump points, when you want to grab something quick or else the opportunity is gone. You know this moment. It might be a sale in the supermarket or whatever, but you know the moment when you've got to act right away. And so I made up this phrase, chiromancy, to mean the practice of divination by noticing special moments. And I came up with the word chiromancer, which is a rather romantic word, actually. It slips off the tongue delightfully, I think. A chiromancer is somebody who is poised to notice special moments of synchronicity and act upon them, act in that moment. How do you become a chiromancer? First of all, you need to be open to new experience. You need to be willing to accept whatever pops up in your field of perception as maybe an interesting sign or symbol or message for you. Secondly, you need to be attentive. You need to pay attention to what's going on. Look at it closely. Thirdly, in a sense, you've got to be willing to say thank you. Thank you. I'm just getting a glimpse of something beyond my ordinary understanding. I'm willing to give it a shot. I'm willing to go with it. And then finally, you want to do something to act and honor upon honor what you are receiving, what is happening in this special moment. It's always, for me, about taking action, not only having the moment and noticing the moment, but finding some way to honor and embody these moments of deeper understanding from dream or from synchronicity in our regular life. That's what all of this practice is about. Yeah. And I would think it is too, Robert, about delineating between this as well, under having enough intuition to, to delineate these things out. Would you say that's true as well? In other words, hey, seizing the moment, it, how do we know it's the right one? Um, only from this intuitive standpoint can we really uh, develop that intuitive muscle, if, if that's what you want to say, to really understand that this is one of those special moments. Well, that puts it very well and very provocatively, Greg, and if it requires intuitive muscle, then intuitive muscle needs regular workouts, doesn't it? I mean, uh -huh. This requires practice. Requires right. practice, practice, practice. Right. What are the key criteria for grasping whether this is worth doing or not, whether it's important or not? Number one, your feelings, or if you like your intuition, I, I will simply say your feelings. You often know it in your guts, or you know it through goosebumps. When we're talking about synchronicity, goosebumps are common. You feel through the goosebumps 
through the shivers that something important is going on. You don't understand it initially, but you know it. And secondly, then you you check the, the follow-up. You check what flows from this, what follows from this. And then you notice whether you're involved in a pattern of interesting events connected to each other and maybe, and maybe uh, that a certain sign or certain symbol leads to certain things in your life. By noticing that kind of thing and developing your own vocabulary of signs and symbols, then you become a diviner, someone who can practice divination in your own life and get messages that can be very interesting and life-supporting. Yeah. Now, along with this caromancy, I hope I'm pronouncing it right, you created 12 rules. Just what are some of those and why do you believe that they're important for our listeners to become more aware of? Because you've outlined 12 rules for this in the book. Yeah. Well, uh, let me let me dance around the rules rather than go through the list. Okay. Yeah, have, you don't have, have to, to go through a list of them, but I think if you dance around them, we'll get the idea. <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to do a little dance around these rules for becoming a chiromancer. You know, whatever you think or feel, the universe says yes. That is actually exactly quoted the first rule. Whatever you think or feel, the universe says yes. This is so simple and so important, Greg, and I think anybody can get it. It means we need to check our attitude because the attitude we are carrying in life is going to generate events and circumstances. This is, if you like, the law of attraction, but it's put in a little more interesting way. Your attitude goes before you. What's waiting for you around the next corner is going to be generated by the attitude you are carrying. So notice that. Check your thoughts and feelings. you, You live in the speaking land. This is a phrase I borrowed from the Aborigines, my native Australia. Again, they think that everything in the world, everything on the planet is alive and conscious. That tree, that mountain, that that river, and those ancestors and those deceased people, and they're all trying to speak to us. So it's about recognizing as you go through life that everything around you might be speaking to you if you pay attention. Here's a good one to help promote understanding. Coincidence multiplies on the road. What does that mean? It means that when you are stuck in the groove, going through the regular round in daily life, you might not actually be open to fresh discoveries, to fresh manifestations of synchronicity, because you're so deeply buried in the groove that you can't see beyond it. It also means, Greg, when we're going through life transitions, we're on the road in the sense of transiting from one stage to another, falling in or out of love, dealing with death or birth or something like that. Coincidence will multiply. Our experience of coincidence will multiply because all the emotions involved stir things up. I mean, physics tells us there's no real distinction between mind and matter at the deeper levels of the universe. So what is going on emotionally in that way is going to generate things around you. Uh, uh, Another thing here, and this goes very deep indeed, you walk in many worlds. Let me explain for a moment. I'm extremely interested in how we understand on a human level the scientific theory of many worlds, or what they now call many interactive worlds, the reality of parallel universes, which means that while you and I are doing this show, there's a parallel Greg and a parallel Robert who are doing other things completely. There's a parallel Robert who never went into this line of being a dream teacher, but is off writing thrillers or sunning himself in the South Pacific, and so on and so on and so on. Well, what would that mean to us? How could we get our heads around it, our heads into it, that we live in one of maybe countless parallel universes. One of the things to do when you're playing with synchronicity and playing these games is to consider the possibility that as you're following your present life track, you're coming nearer or further away 
from parallel selves who made different choices, the one who, who did the divorce, the one who stayed with her, or whatever, and that as you follow your present road, the things you've been doing on those parallel life tracks can influence you. You come closer to one of those parallel life tracks. In a sense, you can take on some of the karma, some of the history, some of the gifts or the challenges of that other life. As you go further away, it works differently. That's said in a conceptual way. In the book, I provide games you can play to check this for yourself and to consider uh, those possibilities. So this is also about becoming more conscious of what life might be like in the multidimensional universe and the universe of the many interactive worlds. So this, in a sense, intersects with cutting-edge science. We're now considering such possibilities as living consciously in the many interactive worlds. Something else, another of the rules of chiromancy is chance favors the prepared mind. You know, chance favors the prepared mind. Uh, you know, when you look at the history of discovery and invention in science and technology, you find that often amazing things came out of a mistake. I mean, the Goodyear, the first Goodyear rubber tire for automobiles, which revolutionized everything, comes out of a mistake on a stove top. But the guys have been thinking in a certain direction. They have a certain body of knowledge. They're able to regard it as more than a stinking mess and realize that they have just discovered the secret of putting tires on automobiles. So one of the things, one of the ways of being open for this and ready for this, of being a true chiromancer is that your study, your reflection, your knowledge of life, your experience will condition the way that you are able to receive and respond to things that come up that to others might look like accidents or random insignificant events or, or messes on the stove. You get it, you see it, you're able to operate with it because your body of experience and knowledge prepares you for that. So those are some of the rules. Well, I, I think what you were stating about these obvious uh, um, levels that there are within the universe, meaning that uh, coincidentally or something is occurring at the same time as you and I are having this interview, I've totally believed in that. I mean, when you look at the billions of universes that are out in the sky, right? Numbers of stars that we're not seeing in multiple universes. There's got to be other life and other things going on, even on this planet, but other places too as well. So it gives you the immensity of what we're really talking about here. You state there's two ways to approach oracles. That or What I want you to talk about are some of these 17 sidewalk oracle games that you discuss in the book, because you really devote a big section to these sidewalk oracle games games. Um, and you don't have to go through, obviously, all of them, but a couple of them, Robert, so that our listeners get an idea of some of the games they can play and how, you know, great this book is to create this awareness for them. Great. Well, let me respond directly to your question and introduce a couple of the games briefly, Greg. The two ways to approach oracles are you set a question for the oracle. You go to the oracle and you say, I want guidance on such and such. The other way is to let the oracle just offer you what it can without setting a question. In other words, you're just open to receiving whatever you get. So how does this play out in practice? Well, let's talk about playing sidewalk tarot. That's another phrase I invented. I noticed that sometimes what comes up on the streets of everyday life feels like you're being dealt tarot cards by the world. Of course, tar a tarot deck has 78 cards. The world has a limitless number of cards. So it takes some, some intuition and some imagination to figure out what's going on. Here are the two ways of playing sidewalk tarot. It's a game you might want to play any day. Number one. 
you have a theme on your mind, you like guidance on something, get that theme clear in your mind. I'd like guidance on my love life, my job, my retirement, my new home. Uh, and then you go out into the world and you accept the first unusual, unexpected thing that comes up in your field of perception as a possible message to you in response to your theme. That can produce some amazing results, amazing results. Mm-hmm. The second version, this is the second way of approaching the oracle, is you don't set the question. You let the world give you the question or the theme. You give yourself 15 minutes maybe of unscheduled time to be out and about wherever you like, in the street, in the woods, in the park, doesn't matter. You give yourself 15 minutes. You use all of your senses to take in and absorb whatever is going on in the world around you, the sound of the wind in the trees, the sound of those birds, the kids chalk drawing on the street, that bit of garbage that, you know, has an interesting motto in it. Uh, you, you, you just accept from the world for 15 minutes whatever's going on around you, and you might, to bring it into focus, collect three things, three perceptions. You look at them. You see, you see if you can find a story in them, just as you would look from elements from a dream, and you might find that you're being given a very interesting message or pattern from the world. The third game, very briefly, is bibliomancy. That's the old name for it. Bibliomancy means divination by the book. Uh, Christians used to do it with the Bible. Some still do. Abraham Lincoln used the Bible. Obama took his oath of office on the same Bible Lincoln used to get a second opinion on his dreams. It can be any book. It can be a sacred book. It can be a book you pick up at random. You open it. You look at what's on the page, and you see how that is speaking to you that day, whether it's the flavor of the day or a message for your life. And once again, you can do it either by setting an intention, you want guidance on something, or simply receiving what that moment of contact with the page of that book is going to give you. Wow. You certainly have given us a lot to think about. And you know, as I was, you were speaking those words, I have this, um, I guess it's the 10 uh, patterns of the trestle board on my desk. And it says, this is the truth about the self. All the power that ever was or will be is here now. I am the center of expression of the primal will of good, which eternally creates and sustains the universe. That's what popped out for me, Robert, while you were speaking. So um, I was looking at it. That's not all 10 of the patterns of the Tessel board, but that is a few of them. And I think for my listeners, what you've given people an opportunity to do is kind of see themselves as part of this one unique DNA with the universe whether they believe in a God or not, they can believe in these actual synchronistic events which do shape their lives in many ways in these parallel universes which you've talked about, which certainly I do believe occur. You are certainly a master at your work. It's a pleasure having you on Inside Personal Growth and speaking with my listeners about your new book called Sidewalk Oracles, Playing with Signs, Symbols, and Synchronicity in Everyday Life. And the author is Robert Moss. I'll tell everybody who wants to learn more about Robert, uh, you basically can go to his website at mossdreams.com. That's M-O-S-S dreams.com. All of these links to his websites and Facebook and any videos that he has and so on, we will be putting up at the uh, entry um, on the blog um, with this interview. Robert, blessings to you. Thank you so much for this uh, special time to be with you and to learn more about your book. Bright blessings to you, Greg. Thank you so much. And to you and your listeners, may your best dreams come true and may you remember them. (laughs) 